From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch coming up. The United States House of Representatives and four statewide elections. I won't be a candidate for re-election to the United States Senate next year. That was Missouri Senator Roy Blunt announcing he would not seek re-election to the U.S. Senate in 2022. Senator Blunt is the fifth Republican senator who has announced they will not seek re-election. What was behind the decision and what is next for Roy Blunt? Well, he's here to tell us in just a moment. With all the bad domestic policies coming out of the Biden administration, we've not focused a lot of attention on the foreign front. But yesterday, China's further eroding of the autonomy of Hong Kong puts our focus today on foreign threats. Is this just another warning sign of the increasing dangers with China? We'll talk with Florida Congressman Michael Waltz. I'll also ask him about a bipartisan congressional letter to Secretary of State Blinken on the restart of a nuclear agreement with Iran. Also, it sends a clear message to my daughters and all of Mississippi's daughters that their rights are worth fighting for. That was Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves today as he signed into law a measure that would protect girls' sports from boys. We'll talk with the bill's author, Mississippi State Senator Angela Hill. Later here on Washington. The dirty laundry list in this bill is horrifying. It would, in essence, ensure that Democrats remain in power from now on. That was Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss, who joined me last night on our Pray Vote Stand broadcast to discuss H.R. 1, the federal takeover of elections. You'll hear more later right here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com, if you're on the free speech platform of gab it's at tony underscore perkins if you're not on gab you can get on gab gab gab.com also let me encourage you to uh, stay in touch with us the way to do that text the word stand to 67742 67742 that way we can give you alerts as to what's happening and also when uh, you know you social media platform you never know who's going to be canceled This way, we can stay in contact with you. Also, I encourage you to download the Stand Firm app. It's at the App Store, the Stand Firm app. You can listen to Washington Watch on the Stand Firm app if you're not near one of our 800 stations that airs Washington Watch. All right, after two terms in the U.S. Senate, Roy Blunt, senior senator of Missouri, announced he will not be running for the position in 2022. We'll take a look at how he has been a model of conservatism over the past 12 years in the U.S. Senate and prior to that in the House of Representatives. And my question is, why and what's next? Joining us now is Senator Roy Blunt. Senator, welcome back to the program. Uh, Tony, great to be with you. Thanks for your friendship and the friendship we're going to continue to have moving forward, both in the rest of this year and next year in the Senate, and and I'm sure after that. You're a great friend, great advisor. I think you showed the uh, the uh, video we put out the other day from in front of the dairy barn uh, on our family farm at Stratford. Uh, I learned a lot at that dairy barn and on that farm, and I hope the lessons I learned, both of getting the work done and the importance of finding a solution, but also the importance of standing up uh, for the things that you uh, are here to advance and uh, 
stopping the things you're here to stop have also been part of my work in the Congress and my work with you. As you pointed out at the end of uh, this term in the Congress, I will uh, I will have been in the, in the Congress for 26 years and sometime in elected office in Missouri before that. Uh, and I think this is going to be, frankly, a particularly good year for Republicans, which makes it a good year to make way for somebody else uh, to come and start their career in the Congress, whether it turns out to be uh, 26 years or six years or, or what, uh, uh, whatever they're going to add to the Senate. But you and I are both going to be concerned, I know, about uh, who follows me in this Senate seat. And, and I think this is going to be a great year for Republicans. I think it would have been a great year for me to run in Missouri. But uh, more importantly, I think it's a great year uh, to take the opportunity to create a chance for somebody to be here who can be here for a long time. Well, I, I want to go back for a moment to that farm and the lessons learned on the farm. You know, one thing, having grown up in the country myself, uh, you know when to wear the boots based on what part of the farm you're walking in. And uh, there's there's a need for that in, in Washington. But you've been able to navigate the terrain pretty well. You're a whip in the House. That's when we first met. You were deputy whip. Or I think you were, I think, deputy whip before when we first met uh, and then whip. Uh, but in the Senate, of course, I campaigned with you there in Missouri when you ran for the, the Senate as well. Uh, there's a, there, there's some might say there's a trend here. You're not the only Republican that's not running in 2022. Is there something more b- behind this or is it just, you know, it's time to move on for something else? Well, I, I don't know if there's, I can't speak for any, anybody else. I do know that, uh, that at least three of the four or five people leaving came when I did 10 years ago, uh, 12 years is a long time of uh, Pat Toomey, uh, Rob Portman and I all had uh, had service in the Senate and in, in the Senate and before that in the House. And so uh, uh, nobody is dropping in and then quickly dropping out, but uh, coming to do a job. And uh, I'm pleased with what we've been able to get done. You know, you and I working together, particularly in the critically important uh, funding committee on the health issues and education issues. Uh, and labor issues have, have spent a lot of time together. Um, pe- other people will step up. I, again, I think this is going to be a great year for Republicans. I think it's likely that we take over one and maybe uh, both of the, the houses of the legislature. I think the, uh, uh, the, the Democrats are overreaching in a dramatic way, even more than they did in 2009. But I can right. see that 2010 opportunity coming again in 2022. And uh, I think this that makes it uh, maybe a good decision for everybody who's been here for a decade and soon 12 years to think, is this the time I want to stay for another term or is it time to do my best to see that I'm replaced by somebody who largely agrees with uh, me on the issues and can carry this forward uh, even further? Well, that's certainly a good way to look at it, because I do think you're right. If you look, and this is where historical perspective is important, when you go back to 2009 and the overreach with Obamacare uh, and the fact that they had a much bigger margin in 2009 going into the 2010 elections, and that evaporated because the of the overreach there, uh, we don't have much to, they don't have much to work with in the House this time around. I think you're right. Uh, I think the momentum is going to be on behalf of uh, conservative candidates that are running. And so this would be a good time. I, I you know, I, I commend you. I think it would be a good time for a handoff. Certainly you wouldn't have difficulty in a reelection. Um, but let me ask you this. 
what's next for Roy Blunt? Well, I don't know. You know, I've never really had a very well thought out plan and it's worked for me uh, pretty well so far. Uh, I'm very focused on these next two years. I think whatever develops next uh, will develop. Uh, I think I'm going to be leaving at a time when I still have an opportunity uh, to do uh, other work and uh, not just uh, that work growing up uh, on on uh, the farm, but also I, I think I haven't had somewhere to go to work. Uh, I haven't not had anywhere to go work every day since I was uh, 17. So the idea of just retiring is not particularly appealing to me, but the idea of, of having an opportunity to take what I've learned in this year of the years of public service, uh, both to our state and to our country, uh, and to have another chance to do something different with that uh, is appealing. Maybe I'll become your co-host on, uh, on, on many of these programs and you and I enjoy doing that. I'll pull up another chair. We could, we could do that. Uh, you know, one of the things, um, it's a privilege. I've served in public office, uh, not nearly as long as you have, and not in the United States Senate, but I've served at the state level. And it's a true honor. And it's a privilege to serve and represent uh, the people. But it's also very demanding. Uh, and, and especially right now, I think you could attest to this. I've certainly seen it in my almost 20 years in Washington now of how um, acrimonious the process has become and how politically polarized the nation really is. And it's it's a lot different than it was 20 years ago. Uh, there are there really is no middle ground anymore. Well, there's no doubt democracy truly is never particularly easy. I think it has gotten more challenging. But the, the opportunities I've had to, to work for Missourians for four decades now, truly extraordinary based on anything I would have imagined possible whenever I was growing up. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this really in gratitude and optimism. I do think the decisions we make right now are really important. And uh, frankly, uh, yeah, I know you talked about HR1, this uh, number one house bill there. Number one priority is to change the political rules in the country in a way that make it hard for conservatives and hard for Republicans uh, to compete. And they've been trying to do all of these things in one form or another uh, for at least 25 years now. Uh, they believe they've got that moment to uh, change the rules, to uh, put themselves in a greater place of power. You, know, you just pointed out the difference in where we are now in 2010. 2010, there were 40 Republicans in the Senate that had been, uh, that's where we found ourselves at the beginning of the Obama administration. It didn't take long before we were back in the majority. This time we're as close as we could possibly be in the, in the Senate. Uh, and the Democrats lost House uh, seats. They lost legislative seats around the country. Uh, they're, they're, they're acting as if they have a mandate that's clearly not there. Uh, and that's going to cause them real problems, I think, uh, on Election Day. Um, the, the country does focus on getting information maybe from only the source that they're most comfortable with. And so one thing I've seen really is people coming to uh, discussions in our office, uh, telephone call conversations, uh, where they have their own distinctive set of facts. Uh, and part of the job of being in the Senate or in the Congress or in public office is trying to do your best to assemble all the facts, make your decision based on them, and then explain to people who wonder why you made that decision 
why why the facts you were able to put together maybe slightly uh, vary from what they thought were what you were looking at. You know, I mentioned uh, the other day I voted almost 12,000 times in the House and Senate. Uh, I'm, I'm sure all those votes weren't exactly right, uh, but they were right based on what I knew at the time and what I could do to put all the information together uh, you could put together at the time. I, the the uh, One of the easiest things to do is to criticize somebody in public office, and if we've got a national national sport, that's probably it. Uh, and when you sign up for these jobs, you sign up uh, for that. But the opportunity to be in this great debate in the greatest country in the world is so important. I hope people don't uh, lose faith in the system. Democracy is just not easy. And uh, with all the new sources of information, that may have made it a little harder in the short run. But, but I hope we begin to move toward assembling uh, more of what uh, is out there to put together before people rush to judgments uh, and decide uh, that you didn't know enough about what you're doing, when in fact you may have been able to put uh, more things together than they had been able to put together before you do your job for them, which is to use your best judgment, stick with your values, move forward as we hope the country moves forward in the right directions. Well, and you've done it well, Senator Blunt. Look forward to uh, working with you over the remainder of these next two years. But uh, thank you for your service and uh, thanks for your friendship. And thanks for joining us today. Tony, great to be with you. I look forward to talking soon. All right, folks, stick with us. On the other side of the break, we'll be joined by Florida Congressman Waltz. We'll be talking about foreign policy issues, China clamping down on the autonomy of Hong Kong and the Iran deal. That's next. Don't go away. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard. But one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In our time, North Korea remains one of the world's most mysterious countries. Unfortunately, what we do know about North Korea indicates the country is also one of the world's worst abusers of human rights, including violations of religious freedom. The North Korean regime has engaged in an intense crackdown on religion for decades. Today, few religious believers remain, and those who do face grave danger. The secretive nature of the regime, nicknamed the Hermit Kingdom, makes it difficult for American leaders to address these human rights issues. Yet, even though options are limited, the gravity of the situation calls on Western countries to take every action possible to relieve the suffering of the North Korean people, a people who have no chance of speaking up for themselves. To learn more about this important issue, check out FRC's publication titled North Korea, the World's Foremost Violator of Religious Freedom. 
To access the information you need to stay informed, including a list of policy proposals, go to frc.org slash North Korea. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. So good to have you with us. The website, TonyPerkins.com. All right, yesterday, uh, China, Beijing is uh, eroding further the autonomy that it promised the former British colony, Hong Kong. The National's People, the National People's Congress voted 2,895 to zero. Talk about unity. Uh, in support of the plan to give a pro-Beijing committee power to appoint more of Hong Kong's lawmakers. Is this yet another warning sign to be watching what China is doing? Joining me now, Congressman Michael Waltz, who represents the 6th Congressional District of Florida. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Hey, great to be with you. Thank you. Um, I'm certain with your eye on China as you have been watching them very closely and you see the trends, this is another uh, to add to the list of concerns, I would imagine. Well, yeah, we're watching the systematic dismantling of what few freedoms uh, the the Chinese populace have. Uh, Hong Kong was a beacon of uh, the, the freedoms that we hold near and dear, freedom of the press, assembly, religion, uh, free financial flows, uh, those have been uh, brutally and systematically dismantled. Uh, we are seeing people literally dis- disappearing out of their homes in the middle of the night. Uh, and the imposition of the national security laws, where not only if you criticize the Chinese Communist Party in Hong Kong, but anywhere around the world uh, is just in- incredibly alarming and disturbing. And it's those freedoms on top of the ongoing genocide that is going on in Western China with the Uyghur Muslims, uh, with slave labor, forced rape, forced sterilization, the elimination of an entire ethnic class. Uh, For all of those reasons, uh, as you know, I'm calling uh, for the United States to remove itself from the Beijing Olympics. We can't reward China uh, for this kind of horrific behavior. And, And Congressman, you're not alone in that. Others realize that this is only allowing China to kind of whitewash their image uh, by yep. letting them host the the Olympics, is that is that call getting any traction? It is, and I want to be clear because everyone goes to well, what about the athletes? And and I completely get that. What we have asked for, Senator Rick Scott, 
uh, myself and others have asked for for well over a year now uh, is that the Olympics be moved, that the International Olympic Committee uh, recognize that there is genocide going on. Uh, you know, as we speak, people getting lined up in rail cars and, and shipped off to concentration camps uh, and to move the Olympics. They have plenty of time to rebid them, uh, even if they have to be delayed, like Tokyo has delayed the Summer Olympics. Uh, that's the preference. Uh, however, with just 11 months out, the IOC uh, has really dug in their heels. Newt Gingrich has joined our call. Uh, uh, Nikki Haley has joined, Mike Pompeo, Senator Marsha Blackburn over in the Senate, uh, and over a dozen co-sponsors of, uh, of my resolution have joined in, not to mention 180 human rights groups and the leader of the Canadian Conservative Party, who is uh, calling on Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who is very proud of his social justice and social awareness, but let's see if he walks the walk and the Biden administration as well, if they walk the walk when it comes to ongoing genocide in China. So what are you hearing from the Biden administration? Well, that's that's quite interesting. Uh, on the one hand, we've heard uh, the Biden's uh, secretary of state, own secretary of state, Tony Blinken, agree with his predecessor, Mike Pompeo, that this is ongoing active genocide right now uh, as as we sit here. Uh, but on the other hand, they seem to be they seem to be hemming and hawing when then pressed on, well, how can we ask our athletes uh, to turn uh, their cheek to this genocide? How can we as a how can we as a country, how can we as a leader of the free world with like minded democracies collectively shrug our shoulders uh, to what's going on? And the other piece that I want to be sure to point out uh, is calling corporate America to account. You know, these are these are companies like Nike. NBC, who have broadcast the Olympics, Adidas, these major multinational brands, and Chinese firms like Alibaba that are listed on our stock exchange uh, that, you know, have no problem donating to social justice movements here in the United States, in some cases won't give to Republicans, and, you know, I put in air quotes in the name of democracy, but yet I have no problem making billions on the backs of slave labor in China and pouring billions into Beijing so that they can make money through sponsorships on the Olympics. So you're, you're saying there's hypocrisy in uh, corporate America? <laughs> that was a long way of saying call out corporate America for their own hypocrisy. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I want to, you mentioned uh, Secretary of State uh, Blinken. I, w- I want to move to another issue that you've been leading out on. You, you were a part of a bipartisan uh, letter sent to the Secretary of State regarding uh, negotiations with Iran to restart the nuclear deal. There was actually 140 members of Congress, 70 Democrats, 70 Republicans. What are you calling on the Secretary of State to do? Well, what we're asking uh, the administration to do, what we're saying, and this is with 70 Democrats, mind you, that joined us in this, that if you get back into a deal, it has to be much stronger much broader and, uh, than what the administration did with the JCPOA. And what I mean by that is it also – the problem with the JCPOA was multifold, but mainly it only addressed one part of their nuclear program. That's the fissile material, uh, and the inspection regimes was, frankly, a joke. So what, what this letter is calling on, if you get back in that deal, it needs to take into account terrorism, the fact that Iran is holding hostages, Americans hostage right now as we speak, uh, uh, detained in their most notorious prison. Uh, their ballistic missile program, 
uh, and the other parts of their weaponization. And we got to have free and unfettered access for our inspectors. You know, the, what the deal had before was like a parole officer going to check on the parolee, but they had to give the parolee a month's notice and could only check one bedroom in their house and then come back. And it was no surprise they came back and said, yeah, we, we didn't see anything. No, all their military sites, all of their nuclear sites and unannounced inspections. Uh, that's what this letter is called for. And it's really significant that 70 Democrats joined us in that. Congressman, we're out of time, but I want to uh, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I hope you're successful in this because uh, so far it appears Iran's not interested in talking to the administration uh, in terms of putting the old yeah, agreement sir. back. If they oh. were interested, how about, number one, you stop killing Americans, and number two, you release the ones you're holding hostage. That would be a good first step on Iran's part. It would be. Congressman, thanks so much for being with us. All right. Folks, stick with us. We're back after this with more Washington Watch. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed, so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, i definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you're on Gab, it's at Tony underscore Perkins. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has signed the first state bill in the U.S. this year to ban male athletes, transgendered male athletes, from competing on female sports teams. That's what the governor had to say earlier today. Mississippi is taking on this issue with the passage 
and ultimately the signing of the Mississippi Fairness Act. It sends a clear message to my daughters and all of Mississippi's daughters that their rights are worth fighting for. Mississippi Senate Bill 2536 is set to become law on July the 1st, but a legal challenge is still possible. President Biden has made it clear transgenderism is a key focus of his administration. And so it's good to see states all across the country pushing back uh, on this nonsense and simply saying, look, we got to protect our girls, girls sports, uh, protect young people from being preyed upon by those that are pushing this agenda. Here to talk about this newly passed bill is the author of the bill, Mississippi State Senator Angela Hill. Senator, welcome back to the program. Glad to be back, Tony. Congratulations. I'm sure you're happy today to see this signed into law. Absolutely. I was so happy for the governor to sign this bill into law and for me to be joined by so many colleagues uh, in the legislature standing there and applauding the governor for signing this bill. This is just a common sense bill. It is a shame that we even have to have a piece of legislation that says that biological males that identify as females cannot come in and take over women's sports. I I never thought I would be here in the day that we had to have a a statute to declare the differences between males and females in female sports. Now I have to say, Senator Hill, you made this look pretty easy uh, getting this bill through the legislature, but you did run into some opposition. Where, where was that from? Well, you know, unfortunately sometimes people who um, know that, things are the right thing to do, sometimes still get cold feet and sometimes have to be nudged across the finish line. So, um, you know, I had to fight for this bill. Um, Just don't take it for granted that if you're in a Republican control body that you're going to get this legislation through because there's lots of interest out there pushing back. Um, But, you know, in the end, it came together. Everybody worked together. We got the bill passed and that's what truly matters. And now South Dakota's passed the bill. Um, Governor Nome says she's going to sign this bill. Other states are trying to get this legislation out. Um, and, and I'm just happy that Mississippi has gotten this behind us and that now we can focus on, you know, maybe helping colleagues in other states get this through their state legislatures. You know, that's a good point, Senator, that, you know, there, there's other things to do now to work on. But the, the issue is we have to deal with these issues because the left is pushing them on us. Like you said, this shouldn't be necessary that we have to protect girls' sports, but in fact it is because of the agenda they're pushing. I agree with you. And, and you know, the right has to learn that the left fights, and when they get in charge, they roll like a steamroller. And so we're going to have to be a unified front um, on the right, and we're going to have to push as hard as we can back because, honestly, I think that they have, you know, tipped their pendulum too far and, and gone really too far with this because – I think the polling in Mississippi is reflective of what most people think across the United States, that, you know, biological males don't belong in female sports, whether they no matter how they identify, that women's rights matter. We created women's sports for women to be able to compete against other women fairly, um, and we have to protect that now. I mean, you know, just because somebody says it's so doesn't mean it's so that a biological male can turn into a female because they're always going to be a biological male um, and have these inherent differences between male and female that give them an unfair advantage when it comes to strength, agility, stamina, all these things that we know the differences are between brothers and sisters, you know, men and women, 
um, you know, we're here to declare that there are male and female. And, you know, if we have to put that down in a state statute, that's what we're going to do. Unfortunately, that's where we're at in this country. And we're just going to have to stand up and say women have rights. And you cannot say that you're a supporter of women with a straight face and believe that biological males should be able to come and take over female sports. Yeah, and I think it's very telling, Senator, that you, you see very few women wanting to do men's sports. Uh, it yeah, is the other way true. around because there is an advantage for biological yeah. men to enter into women's sports. And if you look at some of these cases across the country, these people, these these males that decided that they wanted to come over and participate in female sports, they, they couldn't do much on the male sports team. And, but once they started in coming over on the female team, then they started winning. So that's, you know, unfortunately, that's what's happening. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Senator, I appreciate you, and I know our listeners do, uh, for standing up for common sense, because uh, we're living in a time when common sense, quite frankly, is uncommon. Yeah, well, it's more common than you think. The media wants you to think it's not common, but in Mississippi, 79% of the people polled supported this law, uh, and I think that you'll find in most states that the, that the majority of people support protecting female sports. Yeah, uh, you are right. Recent polling shows that to be the case, even among young people, uh, young people, very supportive of women. Thank you so sport. much. Thank you, Senator. Appreciate you being with us. Folks, we're going to have our conversation about H.R. 1 with our good friend, Congressman Jody Heiss of Georgia, coming up next after the break. Uh, he was a part of last night's Pray Vote Stand event. Very interesting conversation. Very, very dangerous piece of legislation. Now you need to listen to this and you need to take action. Don't go away. Coming back after this. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. There is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication, 
clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins. The website, TonyPerkins.com. For the last seven months, we've been uh, broadcasting a weekly video series to encourage, uh, to encourage, equip, and mobilize Christians to pray, to vote when that time comes, and to stand. Now, you can find all the past broadcasts at PrayVoteStand.org. Now, last night, we had with us former Ohio Secretary of State Ken Blackwell and Georgia Congressman Jody Heiss to discuss H.R. 1, the so-called For the People Act, I like to call it, Stick It to the People Act, which will force every state to turn over their election authority vested in them by the Constitution to Congress. As I shared last night, we're talking about federalizing elections in America, which would mean universal mail-in balloting, liberal gerrymandering, ballot harvesting, D.C. statehood, taxpayer funding of campaigns, same-day voter registration, automatic voter registration, extended ballot deadlines, uh, vote voting rights for felons, for illegals, and 16-year-olds. Bottom line, if it's a horrible idea, it's in H.R. 1. This bill wouldn't just make it easy to cheat. It would make it legal to cheat. Yesterday on the program, Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell called the legislation, quote, a blatant takeover of American politics by the left and the worst bill he has seen in his time in the Senate. Now, this means a lot from someone who's been very measured in what he says and is not given to hyperbole. Well, for the remainder of this program, I want to play for you the discussion I had last night during the Pray Vote Stand broadcast with Congressman Jody Heiss, who is a familiar voice uh, for Washington Watch listeners as he's been kind enough to fill in for me from time to time. Here's our discussion on Pray Vote Stand last night. When we look at H.R. 1 and this effort of the federal government, Democratic Party, to take over elections nationally, what we've seen in the wake of the constitutional irregularities of November's election, 42 states have advanced reform bills, and Georgia is really at the tip of the spear of doing that. That would all be null and void if H.R. 1 passes. Yeah, there's no doubt. Listen, Tony, our our founders were very wise in moving the federal elections out of Washington, D.C. That's very, very intentional. It was not just an afterthought, but among other things, very interestingly, a matter of fact, one of the reasons that they did that is because they did not want foreign interference. 
Imagine that. And they did not want ambassadors from other countries and so forth being here, offering bribes or whatever other tools they had to influence the national elections out of the heart and the hub of our, our country right here in Washington, D.C. So our founders, in having that kind of forethought, said, look, we need to spread the elections out and spread it among the various states. And that was very intentional. And now this H.R. 1, the, the entire attempt is to take that back. It's a power grab. And for all elections to be centralized out of Washington, D.C., and if that were not bad enough, the details of this bill, uh, universal mail-in ballots, uh, which we know the voter registration files are 5 to 10 percent ir- ir- uh, irregular in every state, but they want universal mail-in ballots to everyone on the voter registration files in every state. They want zero uh, voter ID with all those ballots. They want uh, ballot harvesting. They want taxpayers to pay for campaign funds. I mean, the, the, the dirty laundry list in this bill is horrifying. It would, in essence, ensure that Democrats remain in power from now on. It's just a horrible bill in every way, as well as constitutionally, just uh, anti-Constitution. Jody, I want to go back to your first point of the decentralization and how the founders understood that uh, core principle in many ways throughout our government. But that's a biblical principle. When you look at Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, I mean, God advocated for decentralization because when you get power consolidated in one place, it never ends up good. That's exactly right. And that's why we have three co-equal branches of government. And one is not any more powerful than the other, but the two are there to be checks and balances on the one and uh, the other way around. So we have three branches, all of which uh, the primary purpose is to make sure that the other two are staying in check. And uh, so the, the heart of this all, in addition to that, Tony, is that we are blessed to be in a country, the final voice of which is we the people. And it is the consent of the governed. And there is no greater uh, heart, hub, core of the consent of the governed and the we the people concept than at the ballot box. That is where we elect our officials, those who are going to represent us, those who are going to make laws, and, and when the federal government interferes with the voice of we the people, when they interfere with the consent of the governed in this kind of uh, Orwellian way, it is a horrifying outcome to our democracy. And it takes the voice of the people out of the equation and inserts the will of the government instead. And that is precisely what the Democrats are trying to accomplish with H.R. 1. Congressman Heiss, earlier today, I I spoke with Senate uh, leader Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate. And I know in this age of 24-7 cable news and the the shouting that goes on that, you know, we're we're given to exaggeration. But uh, Mitch McConnell said something that uh, I I, and he's not one that's given to hyperbole. He's very measured in what he said, says. And he says in his time in the Senate, and that's been a while, he says this is the 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 worst, most dangerous piece of legislation that he has ever seen in the United States Senate. That is saying a whole lot. 
That is saying a lot coming from someone who's been here as long as he has and someone who's been on the forefront as he has been. But I think he's saying that precisely for the reasons that we are discussing right now. This totally will eradicate the voice of the people and insert instead the will of one political party. And that is a horrifying outcome. And Tony, I'll tell you, being a, an active uh, uh, high-ranking member of the Oversight Committee, we wrestled with this all year long last year leading up to the election. The Democrats were then trying to use COVID-19 as an excuse for changing election laws all across the country even then. And, of course, we see the outcome of, of uh, some of those decisions, and now they're wanting to federalize it and force every state, uh, even those like Georgia, who are in process right now of uh, making their election laws uh, more solid and concrete so that the chaos of what happened this past election does not happen again, and that the voters have confidence that one right. legal vote is cast and one legal vote is counted. All that disappears with this, and I believe that's precisely why uh, McConnell is so concerned with this legislation. Yeah, absolutely. But we have to fix this because, uh, you know, I've heard, as I'm sure you have from your constituents, we've heard from our supporters across the country that, you know, if, if your vote doesn't count, you're not motivated to vote. Uh, and, and we've got to make sure that those votes are cast in a fair, free manner and that every valid vote that is cast is indeed counted. Um, Jody, I'm going to ask you in a moment just to pray for our listeners, pray for our nation. But but first, before we we do that, I, I want you to share with our viewers tonight action steps that they can take. Because we, we don't we, we bring this this information to educate them, not just to make them anxious, but to educate them and equip them to be better citizens engaged in preserving our republic. There are no three better words than pray, vote, and stand. Uh, and I say that not just as a Christian, but listen, there has never been a time. I was speaking with a fellow uh, member just today on the House floor, and his comment to me was, Jody, what are we going to do to change this thing? And my immediate response was, we cannot change this. There is no piece of legislation that can fix the environment in Washington, D.C., nor is there any amount of money that can be thrown at a problem that can fix this. We just saw $2 trillion virtually be thrown out the window. It's not going to fix America's problems. The only thing that's going to fix America's problem is a spiritual awakening. We have a spiritual problem in this country, and therefore the greatest need of the hour, the greatest weapon of the hour is for believers to pray to vote and to take a stand. I was reading just this morning in uh, First Chronicles, and the overwhelming truth that came back to me was that in the midst of battle, not during the easy times, but in the midst of the harshest battles, Israel cried out to God, and he heeded their prayers in that battle because they trusted in him. And I believe we're in the battle, we're in the fight of our life right now in America, and we need more than ever people calling out to God, crying out to God, knowing that none of those prayers are wasted. He hears our prayers. God is involved. I can't wait to see what he's going to do, but there's no question in my mind he's hearing our prayers, and that is the biggest, strongest, most effective weapon that we have at this point. 
And then when it comes to standing, uh, listen, we still need to be in touch with our representatives, holding them accountable to stand for good legislation and things that are happening up here in Washington. But uh, the three words that unite us all here this evening are the heartbeat of the most effective tools we have at our hand to deal with the problems in our country right now. Well, Jody, I'm going to ask you as we uh, uh, about to close out our time uh, together, if you would uh, just go ahead and lead us in prayer. I'll be happy to. Father, we do thank you for the opportunity for many, many, many thousands of people to gather on a platform like this and to discuss the issues facing our nation and to unite our hearts together in asking you to intervene and to help us. Those of us who are actually here in places like Washington, D.C., making decisions, trying to move the needle legislatively and politically, but, Father, far beyond that is the body of Christ, the greatest force, the force uh, about which you said the gates of hell would not prevail against your body across this country and around the world. And so, Lord, we just pray tonight that believers would be encouraged, that they would be inspired, that they would not feel hopeless or in despair, but knowing that you are God in the heavens and that there is none other then you, you hear and you are, your arms are outstretched to, to be involved and to help and to give aid in the midst of this fierce battle that we're facing in our country. So, Lord, we pray for the body of Christ to take stands. And, Lord, we pray here in this city, the, the hub of our country, that, that the men and women representing the various districts and the people of this great land, would have an encounter with you, whether it be uh, a, a an encounter of salvation, which is our first prayer. But, Father, if not that, that there would just be an, a, an encounter of the, of the conscience, an encounter of doing the right thing, not the political thing, not that which is in the best interest of any party, but that which is in the best interest of we the people the consent of the governed, that which is in the best interest of our country. So, Lord, we pray for our president and those giving him advice. We pray for our political parties. We pray for those serving us around the world. Uh, Lord, all the different aspects of our government and our uh, policy and our polity and our form of government across this land, that you would intervene and guide us during these turbulent days and, Father, we just want to put our trust in you, knowing that even in the fiercest of battles, those who trust you, you, hear, you heed their cries. And we, we ask you for that with confidence and with faith tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, what you've just heard was my discussion from last night's Pray Vote Stand broadcast with Congressman Jody Heist. And uh, I, I want to reiterate what he said about taking action. Uh, this is, as I say all the time, our republic is not for spectators, it's for participants. And the reason we do this program is to equip you not only with knowledge, but also action steps. So here's what you need to do. You need to contact your two senators about H.R. 1 and encourage them to oppose this federal takeover of elections. This is, I mean, clearly a usurpation of the state legislature 
uh, the legislatures across the country and their historical and constitutional role that they've played in setting the policies and the guidelines for elections. And just to underscore what Congressman Heiss said at the beginning, it is more difficult to manipulate an election where you have to corrupt or lead astray 50 different election officers across the 50 states, as opposed to it being centralized in one place. H.R. 1 is a very dangerous piece of legislation. So I encourage you to contact your two senators, regardless of where they stand or what party they're in, encourage them to stand against, vote against H.R. 1, this federal takeover of elections. And if you live in West Virginia or Arizona, I certainly encourage you to contact Senator Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema in Arizona and encourage them to stay committed to not ending the legislative filibuster, which could be a forward uh, path forward for the Democrats to pass this horrific piece of legislation and encourage them to continue standing against this effort to change the rules and silence the, major- the minority in the U.S. Senate. You can find out more. Go to TonyPerkins.com. Follow the links over to FRCAction.org slash HR1. And obviously be pray. Thanks so much for joining us, folks. Until next time, I leave you with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you have taken your stand, by all means, keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at one 866 372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.